When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. another episode of purple insider matthew collar here along with manny hill as we always do on monday and i have to say on a lot of mondays it's been easier to just do the show and not only be watching the game but we are grinding through and by grinding i mean my phone is set up right in front of my computer so instead of looking at manny i'm actually just watching the eagles and chiefs they gave us an absolute gem here so i don't blame uh, our audience if they have chosen to tune in a little later or listen on the podcast feed uh rather than watch us live but if you are joining us live and watching the game at the same time then you love football and that's great uh i want to start out with you manny and I, and i have so many thoughts coming out of the game that I made a list of 10 questions. And so we're going to go through those and you're going to have to answer them in 40 seconds or less, or we will just go on forever and miss this game. Um, So that's, that's the way we're going to do it. We're going to do a 40 second clock in just a minute, but I wanted to give a little bit of an update from an earlier rant. If uh, you watch it on YouTube, or if you listen on the podcast feed, when I was with Brian Murphy, I kind of went crazy because I had no sleep coming back from uh, Denver about how Kareem Jackson's hit was not reviewable from the offices of New York unless it had been flagged, which to me is wild. Like somebody pulls out a machete, cuts off someone else's arm. The ref doesn't see it. And New York's like, there's nothing we can do. And then comes back later and suspends Kareem Jackson. He didn't actually have a machete. He just hit Josh Dobbs, but he was suspended for four games he did something in the league's eyes so egregious that he was suspended for four games the referees missed it couldn't flag it which i guess i don't blame them because it's a fast football game everyone in the nation saw it new york saw it the command center saw it but could not do anything hands tied to penalize kareem jackson for that play and then the nfl acknowledges with the suspension that it should have been not only flagged, but it was egregious, maybe even enough to be an ejection for Kareem Jackson. And the Vikings get out of it a fumble that gives Denver the ball in their territory and results in a field goal, and Denver wins by one. Manny, most of the time when Vikings fans talk about how they were screwed by the referees, I'm like, hey, hey, 
everybody gets a little screwed by the refs. No, no, this, this is it. This is as bad as a screw job as you have ever gotten. And it is not the only reason that the Vikings lost, but it's hard not to notice what the final score was versus what happened on that play. So there's where we begin. Kareem Jackson, a four game suspension for his hit on Josh Dobbs. Yeah. And it's unbelievable because you're, you're, and, and I saw a couple of people after the hit last night, I think I saw uh, Lewis Riddick right away just said, Kareem Jackson has got to stop doing stuff like this. Like he just came back from a suspension from previous things that he had done. And like right away, he's like up to it again. Like he's got to stop doing this stuff. And, uh, and you know, you see something like that happen. The league has gone on and on for years now about how they're trying to take things like that out of the game. They're trying to, you know, limit those types of hits, particularly on quarterbacks. And then something like that happens. It's so egregious. It's blatant. You can see it at the moment it happens. It's even more obvious when you see the replays that, you know, it absolutely should have been flagged and and penalized and thus nullifying the the fumble in that situation. And to your point, it, it changed the, it kind of, it was a big difference in the game. I mean, the Broncos got the ball, moved the ball a little bit, got further into field goal range and was able to get three points out of it. So when you factor that in, in a game that the Broncos won by one point, could have been the difference in the game. And also, you know, if, if that penalty is called, who knows what the Vikings do on that drive? They might go down and score a touchdown. And that then you're talking about a completely different football game at that point. So the fact that it that it happened really kind of changed the course of the game. And Kareem Jackson, who has been in the league for a decade now and continues to do this type of stuff, um, I think that's kind of the most frustrating thing is like Kareem Jackson's like 34, 35 years old. And he's still in the league because he's a pretty good player. But like this stuff happening continuously is just um it's just a joke and the fact that the league is now coming back after the fact and suspending him for four games it's like okay well if he if you if you found it bad enough to suspend him for four games how was it not flagged how do you miss that i just i don't know it's it's um it's crazy it's wild i what bothers me more is this procedural issue that they can't overturn it. And uh, Matthew says it's only a matter of time until it becomes like VAR and soccer where they can buzz down and change the call, right? Well, I, I want it to be like that. I would like them to be able to get these things right. I don't need every call to be buzzed down. If there's a pass interference that is sort of a subjectivity call, this is not really a subjective call. This is, he did something that is the definition of the thing that you can't do, but in real time, none of us really saw it that way. So I got, I got it. Like sometimes a ref's not there at that angle and he's looking somewhere else or he can't see from the back of Dobbs. Is it in his chest? Is it at his helmet? And you can see it so much more clear. And there's just this, sorry, nothing we can do thing from the NFL that ends up costing the Vikings. And that, that to me, that's just, absurd that that's the rule that it has to be flagged first uh shout out uh to my friend aaron here simultaneously watching the manning cast and matt and manny uh one of my proudest achievements that yeah that is like the uh, gold medallion football that you get for that 
um, watching the Manning cast and us at the same time. That seems hard to do, actually. Uh, so let's move on from that, because now that's two shows in a row that I've started with that rant. But there was the update to Kareem Jackson being hammered with a four game suspension for his hit on Josh Dobbs. Let me get before I go into all the questions I have for you, just your general reaction, uh, because there was a very wide range of reaction, everything from, hey, it happens. In fact, the other night you were talking about why you thought the Broncos might win the game and almost everything you said came true. It's like, well, you know, they haven't turned the ball over in a long time. They're going to mile high and it just feels like one of these one score games might go against them. And that is exactly how you uh, Manny Domus uh, played it out there in your prediction. But there was a lot of people who had that take of like, look, you're just very much in the playoff race. It happens. It's a tough loss, but you didn't play terribly. That was Brian Murphy's reaction earlier. And then there was a very far other side that was like the Dobbs run is over and it's a, a, a terrible loss for the head coach. And this team is going nowhere and it was fun while it lasted. So where do you stand on that spectrum of reaction to the Vikings loss to the Broncos? I'm I'm just not that I'm not that worried about it. I, I knew this was a possibility that they could lose this game going in. Um, Mile High is a tough place to play. It always has been. Even at the old Mile High Stadium back in the day when the Broncos weren't that good, that was still a very difficult place to play. Um, and, and the Broncos have been playing better. And, you know, I, I think that the Vikings, they ran into a situation um, in games that has – you know, that's hurt them in games earlier this season where you turn the ball over. It just hinders your chances to win a football game. And we saw that Vikings turned the ball over three times last night and uh, all three times led to points for the Broncos. Now you credit the Vikings defense for holding them to just field goals off of those turnovers. But nonetheless, that's still nine points on the board that the Broncos were able to get because the Vikings couldn't secure the football enough. So. um that ultimately what is what it came down to big picture for the rest of the season. I'm not super concerned yet. Um, now, depending on what happens Sunday or um, Monday night against the Chicago bears, that might change things. But as of right now, I knew it was possible that they could lose this game. So the fact that they still, I think played well enough to win and ended up only losing by one point and uh, had the ball with a chance to go down and win um, and just came up short. That's just the way that cookie crumbles sometimes. So I'm not, I'm not super concerned yet. Yeah. I mean, I kind of go uh, a little bit back and forth because there's plenty of reason to be unhappy with how it went. And there were so many opportunities where you felt like just finish off this game, just score one more time, just yep. convert one more time in the red zone. Two for four with touchdowns in the red zone is okay, but you know, they get first down at the 12 yard line and late in the game where you can just say night, night Broncos. We'll see you next time. Yeah. And you end up coming away with three pretty blah plays. 
and then it's going the other way and and the Broncos get that chance to come back. And, and there were lots of those. There were third and ones. There were short yardage situations where from the first play that we were just talking about with the would be or should be penalty uh, to uh, in the middle of the game to later in the game, there were chances there that you're on the doorstep of just breaking through and, and finishing this off. And that has kind of been a trend for the Kevin O'Connell Vikings anyway, for the entire time that he's been the coach. And a lot of times we would put that on Kirk cousins. This is a different quarterback, obviously not as good as Kirk cousins, but that has been a staple that they've won a lot of football games for sure. But there's a game in week one that's a good example. But there's it seems like there's lots of games where it, they make it more interesting than it has to be. Even against the Saints, it was more interesting than it had to be because they just didn't put the nail in the coffin. And that's where I think you can have some reaction to say, are you going to put away enough teams down the stretch? Or are you going to let enough teams hang around like you did with the Broncos? And if you let teams hang around and you're short, your starting middle linebacker and you're short, your starting cornerback who guess what is taller than Makai Blackman, a tough assignment for Makai Blackman to go up against Cortland Sutton. He's more of a nickel type of corner size wise, and you get a jump ball in the back of the end zone. What are you going to do? That that's you know if you're going to let them hang around and not put them away offensively, then on defense you're going to ask your defense to go five for five in the red zone, which is just almost impossible to do, uh, especially against the quarterback who is not what he used to be. But he certainly had his moments where he looked like a little bit old Russell Wilson, uh, especially on that touchdown throw. And so they kind of they kind of got what they earned. And I think that that's where you can you can belong in this. It's not nothing that they lost because if they won, they were going to be 95% to make the playoffs. I did check today. I had estimated somewhere in the 80%. Sumer Sports had it more closer to 70%. And the Rams getting a win. Have you looked at the Rams schedule, Manny? They, they, they don't seem scary. They seem like, oh, well, who cares about the Rams? Let me just pull this up for you real quick. Because I think uh, you're going to start to be a little nervous about the Rams coming from behind on the Vikings if the Vikings don't cruise through the teams they're supposed to win. The Rams play Arizona. Cleveland's going to be tough for them. Out Baltimore, but then Washington, New Orleans, New York, and San Francisco at the end. It's not really that tough. Like there's a lot of potential wins there for San Francisco or for uh, Los Angeles down the stretch. So there's there's other teams that could come from behind or you could fall apart. I mean, it's suddenly because you don't finish that game, that becomes more interesting and more possible that someone could catch you from behind where if you win, it's not completely over, but it's like, man, you could play bad football and still end up making the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's kind of the the situation that you, you put yourself in, you know, I mean, let's just go back to the beginning of the year when you start out 0 and 3 or when you're one and four, you get out to a bad start and then you get yourself back. Even if you get yourself back into, you know, a good position to make a playoff run, your margin for error is still very, very slim, uh, no matter what your remaining schedule is. So I think even in the case with the Vikings, you're going to have to find a way to, to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. And that's what makes the Chicago game coming up now so important. And the Vikings will have, things going in their favor they'll be at home 
the Bears are not a good team, although they looked a little bit better yesterday against the Detroit Lions. Um, so that's that's another game you're looking at, and you got to say, okay, you got to go take care of business. You 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 got your little bit of a you know questionable loss out of the way now against a team that maybe you should have beaten. Now you you can't have any more like that the rest of the way. Now you got to just take care of business, put your put your foot on the gas, and uh, and finish the season the way you're supposed to. You're going to have an opportunity now. Now that Joe Burrow's out for the season, when that Cincinnati game comes up, you're probably going to be facing Jake Browning. That's a game that you now look at and say, okay, you can go and win that game. So just go in and take care of business and don't screw around and have a have a letdown type of game. So. You, you've got that sort of let down. I wish we could have had that game. Now that's there it is. You, you just had it against the Broncos yesterday. Now you really got to take care of business the rest of the way. You can't really have any more stumbles uh, because like you said, with the Rams schedule, with some of these other teams kind of hanging around, if Tampa Bay is going to hang around a little bit, Tampa Bay has a tiebreaker over you because, because they beat you week one. So that's another one that they're going to have to be kind of careful of um, as well. So, yeah, I mean it's this is this is where they're at, and this is what they're going to have to do the rest of the way. I actually heard it's going to be Jeff Blake starting for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's going to be uh, <laughs> taking over. Dave Klingler will back him up rather than uh, Jake Browning. Yeah, I, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it is like AJ McCarron at that point. I, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, that is an incredible break for the Vikings, which is why there's no reason to lose your mind over this. It's just that it, you made your road a little bit harder in a game that we all felt like should have won. Now, so that discussion dovetails into about 20, 30 other discussions. So I wrote down 10. Uh, and here's what I want to do, Manny. I, I have these as little banners that I could put on the screen. And I'm going to give you 40 seconds to answer each question. And then what we'll do after we run through all these, and you can play along in the comments answering the questions, is... I, I want you to pick where, which one of these discussions you think is most interesting to keep talking about after this. Okay. So we'll, we'll run through, you'll give your quick takes and then we'll kind of pick uh, where we, we want to go after that. Like wh what are the most interesting questions to talk more in depth about? So I have a stopwatch and well, let me pull it up. Got on my phone, got the stopwatch. And what I'm going to do for you visually is I'm going to put it up on the screen like this and when it goes off the screen, that's when it's hit 40 seconds. So I don't have to like scream at you over the live stream. And then it sounds weird or bad. So why don't we start out there? If you already saw it, we'll start out as soon as I finish answering the question is when your play clock begins to give the answer. Did Josh Dobbs play well against the Broncos last night? PFF thought so. PFF gave him a pretty solid grade, not great, but 68 overall grade, 74 passing grade for Josh Dobbs. Manny, do you think that Dobbs played a good football game in Denver? I think he played, I think he played a solid football game. I think, you know, the turnovers, the lost fumble at the beginning, and um, obviously the interception, which uh, the interception wasn't completely his fault. I mean, Ty Chandler kind of missed that that uh, that blitz pickup and and kind of altered the throw. Um, but yeah, I, I think he played solid. I don't think he played great. I think he was much better against New Orleans, but I think he played well enough for them to win. And they ultimately just came up short. If you take out the turnovers, maybe they do end up winning, but I, I thought he played solid. 
Okay. You got the playoff before the play clock, 35 seconds there. Well done. No penalty flags there. Didn't have to go to the command center in New York to see if you had gone over 40 seconds. So we're good there. Uh, And uh, I agree with you that I think he played well enough to win the game and got let down on a pass blocking rep and also got some bad luck because his throw to Josh Oliver is supposed to set up the game winner there. Uh, At the same time, some of those scrambles that we love so much, eh, a little more dicey. Some were great. Some were a little more dicey. All right. Next question. Well, hold on. Started that. Uh, One to 10 panic meter on the loss to the Broncos. I know we just talked a little bit about this, uh, but I want you to give me specific how much should people freak out on a one to 10 analytic metric, really? This is a, a, a what new age numbers are doing is picking one to 10 panic meters. So where would you put it in the loss to the Broncos? I'd put it at about uh, about a four. Um, I, I think it's, you know, when you look at the turnovers, it's it's the same thing that kind of hurt them earlier in the season. And I think that that raises cause for concern. Uh, but I think because of what the schedule looks like, over the next few weeks, um, the Vikings have an opportunity to, kind of, to sort of make up for this loss and sort of really still have an opportunity to separate themselves in that uh, race for the wild card spot. So I'll go at about a four. There's the things that hurt them were, you know, the things we've heard we saw earlier in the season, but I'm not ready to uh, really, you know, write everybody off and, and uh, punt on this football team, so to speak, yet. All right, you did get penalized for going a couple seconds over, but since we talked about that one a little bit just before this, we'll move on. But I think that's a good number. Four is a solid number. Next question. Kevin O'Connell is taking it in the comments section, just getting bludgeoned by the fans last night. And some of the critiques, I would say, were accurate uh, about his handling of last night's game. At the same time, they had a good enough game plan to be right there in position to win. And Kevin O'Connell can't hold on to the ball for Alexander Madison. One out of 10, how much on a weekly basis do you trust Kevin O'Connell going into games? And I'll even expand on it in the biggest games that may arise as we go forward. How much do you trust him as the head coach? I'll put it at about an eight. Um, There were several things in the game last night that I didn't love. I didn't love the trick play in the first possession that led to the Josh Dobbs fumble. I thought that was kind of wacky and didn't really, wasn't really the right time for it. Um, But I think overall big picture, I think this head coach has shown that he has this team ready to play almost on a weekly basis. He's pretty good at scheming. They attacked the running, the, the, the run defense of the Broncos really well last night. Um, So I, I think he's, I still trust him. I still have it at about an eight. Um, you know, but I just wish that he would stop trying to get too cute all the time. That That is a classic way to describe coaches overthinking it. And it was exactly right for last night. Uh, I would like you real quick on the fly. Dial up, draw me up, draw me up a, a trick play involving Josh Dobbs. What would you do? Because the last thing I would do is have the tight end flip the ball backward to him and have Kareem Jackson run at his brain. That's the, he needs that brain. He can't have Kareem Jackson on the field running downhill full speed. That was my issue is you need one yard and you're throwing, you're pitching it back six yards 
to your quarterback who does not have the quick twitch of Ty Chandler to burst forward. He's not a running back. He also is not going to get low pad level, all this. He's a quarterback. He's a good runner for a quarterback, but that's why we say for a quarterback. This would be like trying to steal a base with like a home run hitter who's fairly fast, but not somebody that you want taking second and third. Anyway, give, give me a, give me a good one. What would work with Josh Dobbs? I don't know if I would do any trick plays with him because I like what he brings to the table as a quarterback. You know what I mean? Just put him in the shotgun and let him go through progressions. And if a play breaks down, he'll take off and run. I don't think you'd want to get too too cute with him. And what we saw last night was just getting too cute. I think you have other guys on your roster that you can do you can kind of design trick plays for it. You've got Justin Jefferson. We we saw Justin Jefferson do like jet sweeps and and score touchdowns, you know, down near the goal line. We've seen him do things like that. Ty Chandler's a guy that can take a direct snap and make something happen. We've seen that um, before too. So I don't want to get too cute with Josh Dobbs. I like what he does as a quarterback, and that's what I want him to be. Okay, I got one. I'll draw one up. All right. So Josh Dobbs hands the ball to Ty Chandler. Jordan Addison, former high school quarterback, coming behind him, pitches it. Oh, it's a double reverse. The defense's head is spinning. They're, they're all paying attention to Addison. Meanwhile, Josh Dobbs has leaked out and is streaking down the sideline. No one's paying attention to Josh Dobbs. Jordan Addison turns, fires it down the sideline. Dobbs catches over his shoulder, cruises in for the touchdown. And if the play's not there, Jordan Addison could just throw it away. If someone covers Josh Dobbs, he won't get hit anyway, and you could just throw it away. Okay, that was a little uh, detour because I like thinking about trick plays that might make sense. Uh, on to the next one, which is, is it time to extend Daniil Hunter, or as he is known, Sacky McSackerson, every single week, Daniil Hunter with another sack, and uh, he takes down Russell Wilson in that game, played really well, as you would expect. He's had a great season. Now we got back-to-back -back years where he's been completely healthy. He is pushing 30, but still not 30. How are you feeling about the idea of extending Daniil Hunter? I think you have to try if you can help it. Um, but I think ultimately it will depend on the price because you also have to keep in mind you need to re-sign Justin Jefferson still. You need to re-sign Christian Derrissaw as well. And I personally think those two guys long-term are probably a little more important. I think for the long-term vision of the team, it's not to say Daniel Hunter isn't, but those two guys I think are more valuable. Um, so they're higher priority. If you can pull that off, you can get him at a decent price. I say bring him back, but he's earned himself a nice little paycheck this coming off season. That, that was beautifully 40 seconds right on the dot, like 39.8. This is a radio professional, Manny Hill, by the way. Yeah, with Daniil Hunter, this is one we'll probably talk about a little bit more. But if anybody has done anything to earn that extension and year after year, they keep kicking it down the road. And yet Daniil Hunter continues to produce. It was really just a two year span where he had bad luck injuries. And then you go back before that. He's incredible. As a, the current version, incredible. He's never been anything short of that uh, since he arrived. And I, I think years would probably be the concern for me just with the injuries. Is he going to want five years? Could we do three? 
three would make a lot of sense. Uh, there's a lot of pass rushers who have fallen off at like 32, 33, even Jared Allen. Uh, and, and, you know, historically, I think that's kind of the area where they do, unless it's like a Julius Peppers or, you know, Reggie White or something. But, you know, the most most rushers in that ballpark. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this was probably not that much of a discussion early in the season. Like, oh, well, you know, we're just not going to be able to figure it out to all of a sudden, all right, we, we might have to figure something out here. And if Brian Flores stays, which we'll get to, uh, he's going to want Daniel Hunter back. On a 1-10, to 10, how concerned are you about the Bears? They played some pretty good football with Justin Fields back against the Lions, botched at the end, as the Bears will do, uh, but played pretty competitive ball. You concerned about the Vikings going up against the Bears on Monday Night Football? A little bit. I'll put the concern at about a three. Uh, I'm not super concerned, but just a little bit because they seem to be playing a little bit better. Um, I think a big reason why they stayed in the game against the Lions and and, and played well is because the Lions kind of helped them out with four turnovers. And if you're the Vikings, you're coming off a game where you turned the ball over three times. I think ultimately you have to avoid that. And if the Vikings can take care of the ball, do enough on offense, um, then I think they'll be fine come Monday night. But they're going to have to really take care of that football ultimately. There is a guy that I'm a little concerned about with, uh, you didn't give a one to 10. What's the one to 10? Oh, a three. three. I'm sorry. You did. Three. You did. Yeah. Okay. Three. Um, the guy that I'm a little concerned about is Matt Eberflus because in recent weeks, it has felt like Matt Eberflus has been a little more creative with his defenses or his team has started to get it more. They have Montez sweat now. Like there's just, they're a little bit more talented and they gave the Vikings and Kevin O'Connell some problems. And even though I don't think the bears are very good. And I think a three is a totally fair place to put it. You still wonder like if they, you know, change the coverages a little bit, if they stop the run, like they did, could this be a much closer game than you want it to be? And then not having Jordan Hicks, that still concerns me. You got a running quarterback. Jordan Hicks had a great, great game against the Chicago bears. So yeah, I I might push it up a little bit higher than that. A little bit higher than three. Uh, Next question, Manny, where would Brian Flores's defense rank if he stays next year, if he does not get a head coaching job and the Vikings can retool, fix some weaknesses, add some talent to the roster, where could his defense finish next season? Well, if they can bring Daniil Hunter back and like you said, maybe add a few solid pieces in free agency, you know, maybe hit on a draft pick or two, a guy that can step in and and contribute um, early on, I think this could be a top eight-ish defense next year. I really like what what Brian Flores has done with, you know, I don't want to say a bear cupboard, but not certainly not as much talent as Ed Donatel had a year ago. Um, and he's really played this group up. So um, I think they can be a top eight-ish defense if they make some make the right moves uh, coming next offseason. When you think about how bad they were in the first couple of weeks, I think a big part of that was they were trying to figure out what everyone did well and also all the things that Brian Flores wanted them to do. And with most of these players, when you look, go through the roster, who's leaving? I mean, it could be Daniil Hunter, but aside from that, there's not too many people who are free agents or, you know, who were not coming back because there's so many young pieces. We don't know about Harrison Smith. I think Harrison Smith is still playing very good football. It's not 2017 Harrison Smith that intercepts pass or gets a sack or fumble recovery every week. But, 
he's still, I mean, last night he was one of the higher graded players by PFF for them. Still very solid. He could come back and play Bynum, Metellus, Ivan Pace Jr. was, the, I think, the highest graded uh, defender for the Vikings. Really, really good grade against the run and took on the green dot. I mean, the corners are young. Like, who's changing? And so you can only get better. And, you know, Marcus Davenport was supposed to be that guy who improved them, but they knew the risk. This year, you go into free agency, maybe looking for someone with a little less injury problems in the past. The pass rush, the interior pass rush could certainly increase from just Harrison Phillips, Jonathan Bullard. You could, and Dean Lowry's going to be out for the season. I feel bad for him. He's a sort of a pros pro type of guy. Not the Dean Lowry that was there a few years ago with Green Bay, just hasn't been an impact player. You try to look for somebody a little bit more um, who can get to the to the passer. And, and yeah, I agree with you. Like top 10 is what I would say. They might finish top 10 this year and, and it could be even better than that. Next question. Give me a Josh Dobbs stat line prediction and it, whatever stat you want for the end of the season. It could be PFF grade. Right now he's grading a 75 by PFF as a Viking. Uh, it could be quarterback rating. It could be touchdown interception, rushing yards. Just give me a prediction of where Josh Dobbs will finish in something by the end of the season. I'll, I'll go across the board, just sort of the prototypical quarterback stat that everybody lists off, right? Yards, touchdowns, interceptions, all of that. So I'm gonna have I'm gonna have him finishing with with just now we're talking just with the Vikings. His statistical with the Vikings, we're not counting the the Cardinal stats. Uh, just under two thousand yards, fifteen touchdowns, five interceptions, four hundred fifty yards rushing, and uh, four more rushing touchdowns is what I got for Josh Dobbs. He's up to, uh, I think, 130 yards rushing now. So I think he'll find a way in the next six games to get uh, about 200 and about 250 more and get to about 450 yards. That happens. They're in the playoffs and they played really well, right? Yep. I mean, uh, assuming it's not bogus end of game sort of stat padding or something. And that's a, that's a pretty good pace, Manny. That, that's like over 16 games because he'll be here for like 10. That'd be like, 25 to 30 touchdowns passing and another eight to 10 rushing. Like that would, that sounds like a starting quarterback to me. If he, if he plays like that, then we end up with a discussion about, is he the quarterback next year, which I don't think went away after last night. I think that Ty Chandler missed the block and Alexander Madison fumbled the ball and Josh Dobbs should be three and O as Viking based on the way he played. Um, that that's he, I thought he played like a good starting quarterback last night. Didn't play like Patrick Mahomes, but he played like a good starting quarterback last night. So he hasn't had a major fall off game. And with the number of open receivers, he was still throwing to at times last night, um, especially the Oliver one, but you know, there were other uh, plays as well. You, there's the opportunity is there and the defenses they face are not that spectacular. So I like it. I think that's good. All right. Two more, two more. Uh, are fans overdoing it with Alexander Madison uh, because they want Alexander Madison. You know, we talk about Josh Dobbs and the Rockets. They want Madison in the rocket sent to the sun right now. Not a great statistical season for him. 3.7 yards per carry his game against Denver. Ironically was probably his best of the year. It was uh, second best in terms of yards after contact broke a lot of tackles last night, ran well, but then falters at the biggest moment. So are they overdoing it with the criticism for Alexander Madison or is it justified? Um, 
I think they're overdoing it a little bit. You know, I know I saw a lot of people last night. Why is he still in the game? Why are they still giving him the ball? Well, he's a better pass protector than Ty Chandler is. And we kind of saw that on display last night as well. And that's why KOC kept him in the game. And he, you know, and he ran the ball pretty well last night. He just had the costly fumble that was, you know, kind of changed the game again there in that third quarter. Um, I think they're overdoing it a little bit, but I I kind of understand it because he has struggled overall this season. He's not been very productive. Uh, So I get it, but I think they're overdoing it just a little bit. I think he's still good enough to be on this team. I think he's good enough to be on the team. It should be Ty Chandler getting more carries. And yes, I agree with you. We saw exactly what the, and, and sometimes I'll see this on social media where people will be snarky about, Oh, you said that Chandler can't pass block or something like not, not me. I didn't say it. The coach has said it since the beginning of training camp. Every time that Ty Chandler's name is brought up, it's this guy is special with the football but we need him to get the assignments right. There was something that uh, Kevin O'Connell in talking about Chandler brought, brought up pass blocking and, and clearly everyone saw what happened. I mean, the linebacker basically ran right through him to Josh Dobbs and caused that interception. And uh, look, I mean, that's a gotta be a factor when we weigh this in. The problem is that I don't think Madison has been that great at it either. And when we look at uh, it's not, it's not like you have Latavius Murray back there, who in my mind was the best pass protecting running back I've ever seen. That guy was a freak show when it came to identifying and then sticking people. He was just so, so good at it. And it was a, it was a big help with uh, case Keenum. But when we go to the objective metrics, as you know, that I enjoy doing Manny uh, out of starting running backs, Alexander Madison has a uh, 58.6 PFF grade, which puts him 30th out of 31 who qualify with attempts overall. He has not caught the ball. He he has not had explosive runs at all, like none. Uh, his He has run into his own lineman far too often. Just has been a, a pretty miserable year for him as a starter. And he's under four yards carry, which this is not, 1992, man, you just can't be under four yards carry. I think it's been a pretty bad year. One thing that I don't enjoy is when one player becomes the whipping boy for the fan base. This was Ed Ingram last year. It was Tom Compton. It was Dakota Dozier, where every time the guy does something wrong, it's like, oh my gosh, this guy again, how is he even existing? And and that can be frustrating because you have so many players who are having good years. At the same time, I, I think it's I think it is justified. I think it's been a pretty pretty bad year for Alexander Madison as the starting running back. And I was just thinking last night, if they had a really good one, where would this offense be? It would be really really excellent. All right, last one for our rapid fire ish questions is. Uh, the Vikings could end up playing Detroit three times in the final four weeks. The way things look right now with the playoff picture. Uh, you like that or do you not like that? I like that because I, you know, listen, I I would love to see the Vikings win the, win the NFC North this year. I think a, obviously a lot of Vikings fans would like to see that, but I also like seeing the Detroit lions be good because they've been so bad for so long that it's kind of cool seeing them be competitive and, and, and good. And so, if they're playing a third time in the final four weeks, that means the Lions were good and won the division, and it could make for some pretty interesting matchups between the two teams. So I, would, I think it's good. I would like to see it. 
I would like to see it as well. Uh, not too many times I could think of it happening. There was once where Buffalo played Miami in the final week of the season and then played them again in the playoffs. Uh, and it's a, it's a weird quirk that occasionally happens that you play the team at the end that you play in the playoffs. But what I like even beyond this is the potential for a brewing rivalry between these teams in the future, because here's what I think we could say pretty definitively. Detroit's going to be good for a while. They got lots of good play. I mean, most of their dudes are young. Uh, their quarterback is not old at all. Actually, when you look up Jared Goff, considering how long he's been around, you're like, really? He's, he's like 27 or something. I forget how exactly old. Don't quote me on that. But he, Goff could continue to be their quarterback for a while. You have a Vikings team that came into this year unsure of where they would be. They're in the thick of the playoff race. No reason to think that they're going to be a disaster in the future. Bears and Packers, uh, you know, future very unclear. These two teams could be, this could suddenly be your big rivalry now within the division. And what a kind of kickoff to that it would be if they played three times in the final four weeks, including a playoff game at Ford Field in Detroit. That would be pretty wild. And plus, you talk about like a true test of coaching staffs having to scheme against each other three times in four weeks. I mean, that would, that would be wild. I would absolutely love that. Uh, I'm going to do a quick ad read, Manny. And then I want you to tell me you pick one and I'll pick one of those 10 questions that we want to expand upon. And then I don't know if you had time to make a list today. Did you have time to make a list today? I did not have time to make a list today. That's that's okay. That's okay. I wasn't sure if you did or not, but we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit uh, at the end of the show. Anyway, what we were, uh, what I sent you for a potential list, but I figured that one might take too much research. So I thought I would ask before I said, man, he's got a list. And then you had nothing uh, anyway. All right. So I want to remind you about uh, two things. Let's start with prize picks this week crushed my prize picks. I had more field goal and extra points for Greg Joseph. I had more passing yards for Josh Dobbs and I had more passing yards for Russell Wilson did very well on that. I think two out of three with that uh, feeling pretty good. And it's very simple about prize picks. You just pick, it could be between two and six. I like to do three of player projections, yardage, touchdowns, and you just go more or less. So if it's Josh Dobbs, 250.5 yards, is he going to throw for more or less? Boom. And you're playing. That's all there is to prize picks. Very cool. And also you don't have to throw down insane amounts of money. You can put down 10 bucks, turn it into 200 pretty fast, very easily by just doing these player projections, prizepicks.com slash purple. If you use the code purple for a first deposit match up to $100, prizepicks.com slash purple, daily fantasy sports made easy. And want to remind you guys that if you are looking for somewhere to go to get out of the December weather here in Minnesota, might I suggest joining me in Las Vegas for a football game? You can escape the Minnesota December weather with me at Circa Las Vegas, where I'll be hanging out, doing the podcast for a couple days leading up to the game. You'll be able to find me at Stadium Swim, which if you haven't seen it or heard of it, just Google it and look at the pictures of Stadium Swim. This is a place you want to be. Heated outdoor pools, gigantic television, one of the coolest places on earth. And we're going to have a party that night inside Circa Las Vegas 
on the Friday night leading up to the game on Sunday, drink specials, two ticket giveaway. It's going to be at the overhang bar. So you want to go to circlelasvegas.com where it says huddle up at overhang, go there, RSVP for the party, make a whole weekend of it at Circa. I will be there. Book your spot today. And if anybody is looking for that and has trouble finding it, just reach out to me, send me a DM or email. Um, but it's on Circa Las Vegas's page where it says sports book and it says huddle up at overhang. Go there. We're going to have a lot of fun in a couple of weeks. So let me see here. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. Some people are making fun of me calling him Sacky Sackerson. Uh, I had a friend who was Jinxy Jinxerson last night. He texted me one of my one of my friends from Buffalo, man. He texted me and he said, I've got a comparison for Josh Dobbs. And of course, last week's comparison went off the rails, completely <laughs> off the rails. We had Warren Moon, Steve McNair. I'm like, oh, OK. All right, folks. OK, let's let's uh, let's take a deep breath. But what my friend brought up was Doug Flutie. Now, of course, he's taller, but a very good runner, a playmaker, and a little bit suspect at times with the accuracy and with the throwing of the football and a little bit, whoa, I don't know about that. Uh, I like that comparison. And my friend was texting me in the middle of the game saying, like, I I'm all in on this Dobbs guy. Like, this is super fun. And then right after that, Madison fumbles and he throws the interception. Like, thank you. Thank you for jinxing that. But I do love that comparison. So as I was uh, informing the public about prize picks and Circa, you were thinking of which one of the subjects you wanted to expand on for uh, the end of the show here into a larger conversation. What, what Which one would you like to talk more about, Manny? Well, I would really like to talk about like where this defense is can potentially be headed because I really like where they're going with, you know, what Brian Flores has been doing. Um, they've gotten really young um, and the guys that have been playing have really been playing really well. It seems like Brian Flores has really elevated the um, the play of these guys. So let's uh, let's talk more about this defense because I really like what I'm seeing. Well, there's the short term and there's the long term conversation about what's going on. I mean, in the short term, when we look at the upcoming schedule, you have Justin Fields, who Brian Flores just played mind games with the first time. Then it, you go up against possibly Aiden O'Connell, maybe Brian Hoyer, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. I have no idea who's going to be quarterback for the Raiders. Maybe Jeff Hostetler, maybe Vince Evans, maybe David Hollis. Maybe Jeff George, maybe Carson Jamarcus, Palmer, Jamarcus Russell <laughs> could be. I remember a couple of years ago, Jamarcus Russell was trying to like put it out there that he wanted to come back to the NFL. And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to work out my man, but um, yeah. So someone's playing quarterback for them, but it probably won't be good. And then we have Jake Browning. There's another matchup with Jordan love who has played better, but another guy whose head was spinning when he went up against Brian Flores and then a very, very good offense in the Detroit lions, which I think will succeed against this Vikings defense. They love to throw the ball short. They've got so much misdirection. That's a tough matchup. They could finish. Uh, where are they right now? I'm going to look up where they are right now because they have a chance to finish in the top 10 defenses, I think, potentially. Where are they right now? Points again. They, yeah, I mean, they're 11th. They're 11th right now. Like that, I yeah. think this is going to be easily a top 10 defense. Yeah, it's it's looking like it. And let's see, where are they against the pass? They are 
17th in yards against the pass. It looks like seventh, uh, seventh in yards against the run or yeah, yards per attempt in the running game. They're fourth. That's that's fantastic. That I mean, that's that's unbelievable. That, not that you could do this, but if you take out the Eagles game, they're the number one rushing defense in the league, right? I mean, beyond a, after that, they've been probably the best rushing defense in the league. This is the most clear cut. Do you ever remember? I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's offensive coordinators that we could think of who have done this in the past. And Mike McDaniel is that guy in Miami. Doesn't hurt to get Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle down there where a coordinator, Sean McVay going to Los Angeles, so blatantly takes a unit and improves them wildly. But if they finish in the top 10 here, this is way beyond what I would have set my expectation. I, I was talking about in training camp. Look, if they finish 20th with all these young players, these inexperienced guys, that'll be great. That would be like a really well done coaching job. I, I would, uh, you know, really praise Brian Flores for that. And now we're like on the doorstep of being much, much, much better than expectations, which does make me want to ask though, Manny, do you think that he will get a head coaching job? Oh, that's a good question uh, because of, you know, I mean, he, he basically sued the league, right? <laughs> because of what happened with the, the dolphins and then, you know, maybe getting the Giants job and not getting the Giants job and that whole situation there as well. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know if he'll get another head coaching job. I mean, if you take that out of the equation, how, how can he not be considered? You know what I mean? With the, just the job that he's, he's done um, this season and the fact that he's, you know, he's got experience as a head coach in the past with the Miami Dolphins. So it's not like he's inexperienced in the role either. Uh, but I just, I just wonder if that the the lawsuit and all of that is still kind of hanging over the heads of some of these GMs. I'm not saying it's right if it is, but it, it, I just wonder if that's still kind of a factor in all of this. Um, but regardless, I, I mean, I think if the Vikings can help it, if they could, and I, I think I saw somebody in the in the comments mentioned this too of elevating him to like an assistant head coach's role as well. And maybe bumping his pay up a little bit too, might maybe be able to help, you know, secure a way to kind of keep him around at least for like another year or two. Um, because I would just love to see, you know, another full off season, some cap space for the team to go out and get some, get some players that, um, that he would, he would really like to have on his defense. He's got good players now. I mean, he's really elevated the play of a lot of these young guys, but, you know, you mentioned another another guy on that defensive front, you know, in the interior to kind of help with the pass rush a little bit too, a little bit more of an impact player on that in that department. I think what help matters dramatic, dramatically for this defense. I, I want to see him stick around and see what he can really turn this defense into. Fair point here by dystopian utopia. Hilarious that he's suing the NFL for collusion and he can't get a job because of collusion. It, it's not so much that a general manager wouldn't hire him. I think it's that an owner wouldn't hire him. That's, right. that's what I think is right. if you're suing us owners, it's going to be pretty tough to say. And, and look, you know, Brian Flores was, I, I thought a really good head coach, 
because of his defenses. And who knows how that would have looked offensively if they had Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell there uh, doing what they've done for Mike McDaniel. Their offenses were very middling, but we've seen lots of teams get great wide receivers and then suddenly look better at football. Um, poor Teddy Bridgewater never got the Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs that uh, Case Keenum did, for example. So we've seen that many times. He might be better as a defensive coordinator. Like that might just be a better role for him. Uh, it certainly was for Mike Zimmer at times. Uh, with not that he was a bad head coach, but you know, he I think had a reputation that way as being more of a coordinator. There's lots of coaches who have been that over the years, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with being considered an amazing defensive coordinator. He has reminded me of like Dick LeBeau this year, where anybody you run out there or the Mike Tomlin defense is where he came from. Like anybody you run out there, this guy's going to find a way and they're just going to be really good. And gosh, they, they miss Jordan Hicks and Ivan Pace comes in and they play, I thought was a very, very good game under 300 yards total. What, what more could you ask for uh, from that game, except for one undersized corner who's not supposed to be in that position, not being able to knock the ball away from a guy who mosses him in the end zone. They did play too far off for some of those checkdowns underneath. No question about that. But I mean, the whole season uh, after the the start has been really remarkable to see. I want to talk about to end out of those 10 rapid fire questions, whether we think Josh Dobbs played well against the Denver Broncos, because this will be a weekly evaluation on two fronts. Front number one is, is he good enough to win anything long term? Is he good enough to make the playoffs? I think we can say the answer is yes. Is he good enough to beat Detroit in the first round of the playoffs? Is he is he good enough to take you anywhere beyond just this being kind of a cute story or a nice story? Uh, and I think what I saw last night was all phases of Dobbs, where it was like there were some really great reads, and it really uh, annoyed me that we didn't get to talk about the touchdowns more because it was so much about the trick play and the third down decisions and the end of the game and everything that happened in the post game last night in Denver that we did not discuss more magical plays and shaking off a defensive end who's running after you full speed to then throw a touchdown to Josh Oliver was just really, really something special. I mean, there's just not too many quarterbacks in the league who could do that. There's probably five uh, quarterbacks in the league who could do that. Yet at the same time on the final drive, you saw they're going to try to take away the run, his running ability, scrambling ability. They're going to force him to make a tight window throw, which I don't think he has the accuracy to be firing BBs into little tiny windows. But he's also going to get Justin Jefferson back. So if he plays that same football game the rest of the way, I think they're going to win a fair amount of games. And I also don't think it's enough. It has to be better than that if they're going to go somewhere but it's good enough to get you the playoffs, which leaves you in a little bit of an odd position with Josh Dobbs. If he plays like that, if he gets Justin Jefferson back and he plays better than that on a fairly consistent basis, you know, maybe a stinker thrown in there too. Then you're talking about this being interesting to discuss for him being the quarterback for next year. I remember watching the game last night and thinking, and I think even Chris Collinsworth late, at the end of the broadcast, I think it was right before the Vikings tried to go on that last drive where he, he literally said, this is where the Vikings could use Justin Jefferson. And I was, I remember the whole, the whole game watching it saying Dobbs is playing pretty well, but man, if they had Justin Jefferson in this game, it would 
changed so many things for them and what they were able to do offensively. You know, they haven't really had a, a lot of, since Dobbs took over, they haven't really been pushing the ball really deep down the field a lot. I think adding Justin Jefferson would change that a little bit for him or give him another option maybe, loosen up those defenses a little bit and, and making things a little bit easier for him because of what Justin Jefferson just as a threat on the football field um, can do for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would love to see Justin Jefferson get back and just see what it looks like. And we know he would make their offense better. That kind of goes without saying. Um, but like, what would it look like? How productive, how much more productive can Josh Dobbs be if he has a weapon like Justin Jefferson on the field? Um, and hopefully we find out in the next couple of weeks. I don't know if he's going to play Monday against the Bears, but hopefully, you know, the week uh, and then they've got the bye after that. Um, and then they've got uh, they've got the Raiders after the bye on December 10th. So if you can get Justin Jefferson back by December 10th against the Raiders and just get a look at what that looks like over the last five games. It'll be really interesting to see and and uh, might be able to get them into the playoffs. And and then who knows, depending on the matchup they get, uh, might determine if they can make some noise or not there. Call my shot here and say I think that Jefferson plays this week. I, the national TV stage, it's going to be a big audience. It's uh, It's had a few weeks to ramp it up. I think he's going to do it. And then he's got extra time to rest if it doesn't feel great afterward with the bye week. So we'll see. But. I'm I'm going to I'm going to just call that shot. They they've been sort of winking and nodding of like he's getting closer, you know, like but of course if you're Kevin O'Connell you don't want to say and he's already saying, "Oh, well, you know, guys, he'll be questionable, so don't ask me every day about it, which we will anyway, uh looking for hints." Um so I don't blame him for not giving us too many hints. It just feels like Jefferson is uh, rearing to go at this point. I'll give you a quick stat on Josh Dobbs, and then we can wrap the show. When he had a clean pocket against the Broncos, he was pressured quite a bit, almost every other snap. Uh, They did a good job of sending pressure at him. They blitzed a lot, actually 42% PFF stats here. When he had uh, his 21 clean pocket dropbacks, he had a 90 PFF grade. He threw 16 for 21 with 178 yards, two big time throws and over a hundred quarterback rating when he was pressured 3.9 yards per attempt and graded a 46. And I'm curious, I want to look real quick if uh, how he's done against pressure all season long, because I wonder if that's a bit of a trend, but it tells you something about Josh Dobbs that if he's got a clean pocket, then he's it's been horrible uh, when pressured, but he ranked 17th. So it's not that not great when pressured uh, this season. He's not like Lamar or Patrick Mahomes or something. But when he had a clean pocket, he was making throws. And that's that's going to continue to be the key here. If the offensive line stays healthy, if they keep him clean, then he's putting up Kirk Cousins numbers last night when he's clean, but it wasn't enough times. And some of that's causing his own pressure as well uh, by scrambling around and so forth. But um, yeah, that was interesting. So on Thursday, we won't have a show live because there's no point. You're going to be watching football. You're going to be sleeping after eating uh, uh, insane amounts of food. So that's probably not the best time to do a live stream for us. So we'll let you uh, enjoy whatever it is that you like for uh, Thanksgiving, Manny. But I did want to ask, um, 
it's it's got to be Moss versus Dallas, right? Like when you think Thanksgiving for you, it ha- it just has to be, right? That if you if you had done a list, that's number one easily. Well, which 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 time against Dallas on Thanksgiving? <laughs> you know, are we talking ninety eight or two thousand? Either one. Uh, no, I mean ninety eight was the, was was the big one. Um, I mean. Three catches, I think 163 yards, all three catches were touchdowns. I mean, just the the impact that he made on a national audience and and uh, Madden and Summerall doing the game down at Texas Stadium was just uh, just a classic all-time, not just all-time Vikings moment, but all-time Thanksgiving moment, really, in the history of um, of those games. So, yeah, it's it's the one that stands out the most. It's It's hard to really pick another one at this point. I'm going to give you just a, a couple quick ones for me. First was anytime I actually got to see Barry Sanders play. So that's one because yep. there's just so few times that I would ever get to see him play. The Lions were very rarely on national television. And uh, when he was playing on Thanksgiving, that was like my one big moment. When Leon let slid in the snow against the Miami <laughs> Dolphins and yeah. touched the football when he shouldn't have and then gave the Dolphins another field goal at it, that was certainly one of the most memorable. And then... One of the all-time great plays in NFL history, the butt fumble by Mark Sanchez, happened on Thanksgiving night. And uh, Chris Collinsworth, with one of, in my mind, one of the great broadcasting calls ever, where as soon as he saw the replay, he goes, oh, no. <laughs> he just, oh, no. It's, and uh, if you remember the uh, not not top 10 plays there, uh, it went on. There was some streak it had as like the number one funniest or worst play or whatever for six months on ESPN, the butt fumble. So uh, so I hope everybody has an enjoyable Thanksgiving. Uh, of course, the podcast will carry on, though. Just I don't think there's going to be another live show this week and probably I'll do it Sunday. Like after Sunday's games, we'll talk about what it means to the Vikings and uh, I'll go from there. If if there is, I'll tweet it and so forth or you'll get a notification. But um, anyway, so happy Thanksgiving uh, to you, Manny, and enjoy. I mean, how great is this, by the way? Thursday, all football. Sunday, stress-free for Vikings fans. You got another crazy Saturday of college football. And then you have a Monday night football game, biggest stage. It's a great week. A lot to be thankful for with football. So thanks, Manny. Go enjoy the rest of this football game, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.